to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be spending most of our time in there today. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be reading two scriptures, but before I get to the scriptures, kids, I need your help. Thank you, Mia, for being so attentive, okay? Okay, kids, I need your attention just for a second here. Can you show me, can your finger do this? Can your finger go sideways like this? Okay, that's good. Now, while you're doing this, I want you to say, don't forget... Okay, not, a little bit louder than that, because if they can't hear you, they will forget. Okay, so waggle your finger and say, don't forget. Don't forget. Oh my goodness, that sounded excellent. Okay, I need a little bit more action from the back row there. Okay, kids in the back row, do this with me. There we go. And say, don't forget. Don't forget. Okay, very good. So whenever I say kids, and I pull up my finger like this, you guys all say, don't forget. And I know that some of the adults right now are feeling a little neglected, so I'm going to give you something to do during this message as well, okay? So when I say adults, you guys all say, by faith, okay? So adults, by faith. I wasn't totally... Fi- what, <laughs> Lynn's running what she's going to do with her hands during this thing. You can make a fist or, you know, maybe do a little, like, soaring thing or... Maybe this. This is also good. Okay, so adults? Okay, thank you. And kids? Okay, wonderful. So my personal power trip for the morning is over. We have two scriptures this morning that I want to read. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, I'll read for you. The Word of God says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'll read that again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then over to Romans 5, where we'll spend most of our time. Starting in verse 1, the word of God says this, Therefore, since we have been justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him also, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than this, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Why don't we pray? Father, I just thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word that it is 100% true. And Father, I pray that your word would have its effect in us today. I pray that uh, you would help every single person here through the work of the Holy Spirit to hear what you're saying and to be pierced by the word for your glory and for our good. And all God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Wonderful. Kids? Excellent. And adults? Thank you very much. We are in the midst of a, a mini-series on the basics of Christianity. Okay, so what, what are the basics? What makes this different than doing anything else? And so a few weeks ago when we first started, we talked about um, being saved by faith and how awesome it is, is that God's goodness comes to us through Jesus Christ, Christ and we receive it all adults 
and that by faith is the best way to receive anything, and this is totally unique in the world. There is no other religion and no other philosophy that says you can have it all by receiving it, adults, by faith. faith. And so this is a really big deal. And then that last time we talked, we talked about how it's about sin. And the world's issue is not primarily a financial issue, not primarily a gender relationship issue, not primarily a family issue, that the big problem with the world is sin. Our sin against God and His just wrath and His just judgment against it. That's the problem. But God solves this problem through His Son by sending Him to die for our sins and come back from the grave and that His righteousness would be received as a free grace, adults, by faith. All right, and so this is the third installment of this basics of the faith. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Christianity is about joy. It's about joy. It's about sin and really dealing with sin. It's about faith and receiving God and Christ through faith. And it's about joy, real joy. All right. Um, Somebody has said before that the world works one of three ways in cultures and societies, either through guilt or fear or shame. These are the main controlling forces where societies work. And I tend to think that this is true. So, for instance, there are cultures that just run off of shame, and these are often Eastern or Western cultures. We had some people come and visit us who had just come back from teaching overseas in an um, Eastern culture for years and years and years, and what, one of the things they were saying was that um, the students are very, very, very good students, but they're the least happy students in the world. Okay, and the reason is because their shame-based culture is everything is about not bringing any shame to your family. And so the fear of failing in school is so powerful that they're constantly miserable in the anticipation that they could fail something or not get a good job and bring shame on their family. And living in a culture like that where part of your life is I will be beat up in the street for doing these things, that is a culture of fear. And that's a real thing that people have to deal with. There are other cultures that are kind of more like our culture, which is a culture of guilt and righteousness. And you can tell that we live in a culture of guilt and righteousness because we work by accusations. So if you don't like the way something's happening, you get a group of people together to accuse them of being horrible people with the expectation that they will apologize and then change. And this is how our world works. I don't like that business. Let's all accuse them on Facebook of being terrible and they have to apologize to us and then we'll change. And this is how it works. And so if you're a cultural observer, like I sometimes try to be, you watch elections that happen in neighboring countries and part of the meltdown of what happened in 2016 was that the culture of accusations stopped working for some reason. And there, everyone's standing around going, we keep accusing this guy of everything and it's almost all true. Almost. We don't usually depend on it having to be true, but most of this is true this time, and he still got elected. And so part of what happened south of the border was that this culture of guilt and accusation melted down. That's part of why it was so crazy. It's like, you're supposed to be able to just accuse people publicly, and then they start apologizing, and then I get what I want. That's how it's supposed to work, Right? And that's why we have a a culture of guilt, a culture of accusation. It's a culture of would-be righteousness. 
Over, and these things happen not just in the global scale, but also in families. Some families work by guilt trips. Don't, don't smile anybody because your family members might be here. Some families worked by, don't do that, you're going to embarrass me. That would be a culture of shame. And some families worked by, how do we have to live to keep so-and-so from freaking out? That would be a culture of fear. I have to not do this because so-and-so will freak out and blow up and slam the doors. And This happens. This is how the world works. Until Jesus. And Jesus came to bring a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness instead of guilt, peace instead of fear, and joy instead of shame. This is his kingdom. And so this is why this morning I'm here to tell you that Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and it's all about joy. It's about joy. The kingdom of God is about joy. How's your joy doing? I, uh, somebody walked into my house, my office house, the other day. Um, I, I, I work in the house that's next door to the church, which is why it's so hard to describe. And I'm often the only person in there. And I've had to hone some of my ninja skills because usually people can get into that house without making any noise because I'm on one side of the building and the door's on the other side of the building and I leave it unlocked because I'm supposed to be working. So it would seem kind of weird. It's like, yes, I'm behind three locked doors, but I'm totally available to you. And uh, so people can just walk in and I kind of hear like the air pressure shifts in the building and I'm kind of like, I need to check the front door. And so this happened, and I opened up my office door and looked into the church house, and there was this absolute stranger standing in there. Fortunately, it's a guy from a ministry that hands out Bibles for free, and he was a friend of a friend, so we went out for coffee, and it was much different than a worst-case scenario. Anyhow, um, I may or may not be a black belt in karate. I'm just going to leave that with you. Neither confirming or denying any reports, but just putting out a fire before it starts. Um, So we went out for coffee, and he told me this very interesting story. He was out for getting pizza, and while he was getting pizza, um, one thing happened to another, and he ran into a lady whose profession was something that was obviously not bringing her any honor in her life, and that's all I'll say because Kids Church is not in effect right now. And it's his mission and passion to hand out Bibles. So he went up to her and said, excuse me, ma'am, I just, can I give you a gift? And she's like, okay. And he said, you know, I, I don't know you and I'm not judging, but I'm, I'm assuming that what you're doing right now is not what you want to be doing with your life. And, you know, this, this book's changed my life and I just want to give it to you and invite you to read it. And she starts breaking down. And what she said to him, I found super, super, super interesting. She said to him, I just need some happiness in my life. I just need some happiness in my life. And this young lady, for me, is like the voice of most of the people in the world. I just want to be happy. Okay, whatever else is happening, I I just want to be happy. I just want some joy. And we do this and we do that and we learn this and we learn that and we buy this and we buy that. And at the the depth of all of this, we, we get married to this and we get married to that. Just kidding. You know, at the depth of all of this, 
is this desire, I just want some happiness in my life. The desire for joy is one of the biggest driving passions, needs, wants of every single human being. And that's how we were created. You cannot get away from wanting joy. It's, it's one of the biggest things that it means to be human. Okay? We have a puppy. It's slightly larger than an obese squirrel. <laughs> it is true. Is it not true? And she's lovely. But she does not sit around thinking, am I joyful? No, it's kind of more like, is that sound outside going to come to the front door? <laughs> Can I eat that? You know, those are the two questions of her life. It's very true. And she's quite an advanced creature as far as creatures go. Part of being human is wanting joy. That's why we make a thousand pizza boxes for little kids. Because if they don't have happiness coming to them... During a church service, they go a little squirrely. So it's kind of like, here's happiness in a pizza box. Not the same kind of happiness I want in a pizza box, but there's some other stuff in there for you. All right. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're in chapter 5 of Romans. And this is where Paul says to, starts confronting us with the joy of the gospel. We've already talked about how that it's adults. And not by works. We've already talked about how the world is totally lost and there's nothing that we can do in our own efforts to make it okay at all. And we've already talked about how God has sent Jesus to us as a sacrifice for our sins and raised him from the dead to be the Savior. And Paul takes chapter 4 and he says, Abraham was showing us how to live by faith. And now we come to chapter 5 and Paul starts to unload on us truckloads of joy for our joy-hungry souls. And there are three kinds of joys that he says we have in Christ. He says, since we have been justified by faith. Thank you very much, Scripture. I almost missed this one. Do you guys remember that the word justified and the word righteous are connected in Greek? Raise your hand. Okay, let me remind you. In English, we have two words that mean the same thing in Greek. Our word justified and our word righteous are the same word in Greek. And I don't want you to forget. I want you to remember. So children... Yeah, if you forget that righteous and just and justified and made righteous are not the same word in Greek, it's going to not make as much sense to you what's going on here. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings and skipping down to verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The three joys of being justified by faith and having peace with God from Scripture. I'm not saying this is the only joys, but these are the three joys we're meant to have. Joy in the glory of God. Joy in the hope of the glory of God. Joy in our sufferings. And joy in God himself. These are your three joys to have. Joy in the hope of the glory of God. Did you know that you can be happy just by knowing that something really great is coming your way? 
Anybody notice that? Okay, we have a, a, a little girl. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But um, she had a birthday recently. And there's something about Balfour family culture that birthdays seem to last for about two or three months. So, so no, not only can you have like birthday overlap where three kids are celebrating their birthday at the same time, which can get a little extensive. Um, wink, wink, not just. But um, it just goes on and on forever. And so part of birthday culture for the Belfors is that the kids go over to Nana and Bapa's house for a night where it gets to be just them with Grandma and Grandpa. And you can imagine that for this little girl, for like the three days before this event happened, was she mopey? No, no, she was doing like finger back clapping the whole time. How many more sleeps until Nana's house? <laughs> Tomorrow, isn't it? She might be laughing right now. I'm going to do it to this direction so she doesn't just make the face. Tomorrow is Nana's house. Now, she hasn't actually had any of the joy of actually being at Nana's house and the trip to A&W and the too much sugar and the staying up late and the going out and buying rhinestone flip-flops at Walmart. None of that has happened. None of that has happened. But the anticipation draws in the joy through hope into the present. Okay? And this is something that is how the world works. And we are called to be like, okay, hold on a sec. So I'm right with God now and I have peace with Him. What happens when you die and you're a Christian? Is it lights out? Is it show over? Is it here's a broom, clean up time? No, no, no. You get to go into the fullness of the glory of God with open access and no barriers between you and the holy, awesome, good presence of God where it's all the angels singing and all the saints gathered together and we have the joy of going into the new heavens and the new earth and figuring out how awesome it's going to be as we forever and ever and ever spend each day which is better than the last with unlimited joy and the unlimited creativity of the all-powerful God making everything awesomer than it has ever been before, which is the glory of God. And in the midst of all that, we get to every day go, and I was a sinner? And the cost for me to get here was this all-awesome, glorious God dying for me? So it's not just that you get to play Nintendo every day. It's you, that you get to everyday savor that you get to play Nintendo at the cost of Christ's blood. This is amazing, and it's going to be so awesome. And the first joy we're called to be constantly drawing on is knowing that the fullness of the glory of God is ours. It's ours in Christ, and it's bought and paid for. It's a sure hope. It's not like, well, 50-50 chance. I like those odds. No, 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 no. Christ is raised from the dead. It will happen. If it was a risk, he'd still be in the grave and we wouldn't know what's happening. But he came out of the grave. We know what the afterlife is like. It is ruled over by our king. And he's already welcomed us. How adults? He's welcomed us by faith. We've received it by faith. It's a sure hope. Oh my goodness, I need to start working out. Because <laughs> I'm only in joy number one. <sighs> okay, let's skip. <laughs> that was one of those moments in the sermon where I should have thought it and not said it. I'm just going to edit that out for the internet. Okay, point number three. I'm going to skip down to point number three. This is the one where he says, More than that, we rejoice in God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Because it is easy to be excited about events and things. Have you ever noticed that before? Oh, we're going to go to Disneyland. That's an event. Oh, I'm going to get a new Lego set. That's a thing. Oh, I'm going to be with somebody. That's a person. And this third joy is the joy in a person, okay? Because through Jesus, we get God, This is the deepest, the most profound, the bestest part of being a Christian is you get God and you get to rejoice in Him. You don't have to be afraid of Him because of the cross. You don't have to worry about Him because of the cross. You get God. And this is one of the biggest fears and hardest mindsets to obliterate through the gospel. So Paul takes a lot of time to fight and wrestle with our souls about this. Verse 6 of this chapter, For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, But God shows His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, Since therefore we have been justified or made righteous by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now shall we be reconciled Shall we be saved, sorry, by his life? And this is what Paul is fighting for for us. He's saying, if while you were weak, Christ died for you. If while you were enemies, God saved you. If while we were estranged and sinners, God made our relationship right. How much more so since God raised Jesus from the dead will everything be okay? He's given us a total Savior at His cost and His loss and His pain so that we could be with Him. And we're supposed to turn and be like, Best God ever! This is the best God ever! Best God ever! Right? That's what we're supposed to be. My joy is in God himself. I love him. I love him. He's the best. 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 He's better than my circumstances, better than my bank account, better than my car, better than my family. I love you, family. But he's better than you. And I want Jackie to go to bed at night saying, I love you, Rob, but Jesus is better than you. And I'll be like, yes, yes, you're that kind of wife I want. Because it's just true. He's the best. You have him. He's all yours. He's all yours through Jesus. You get to rejoice in God. He's all yours through Christ. He's yours. He's yours. And it was all his plan for him to be yours. He did all the work when we were weak, when we were sinners, when we were enemies. He did it all. So our joy is in him. Well, let's go back to the middle joy because that's the tough one sometimes. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, to which circumstances sometimes say, no, we don't. We rejoice in our sufferings. What are you talking about? This is one of those what are you talking about moments. We don't rejoice in our sufferings. This is the point of a suffering you can't enjoy it. All right? This is kind of how the world works. How would you define some suffering? Something you don't enjoy and you can't get away from it. That's, that's suffering. It's like, this is unpleasant and I can't run or kill it or whatever it is. There's no antibiotic to make it go away. It's suffering. And so to hear Paul say, we rejoice in our suffering, seems like he's finally lost it. Like he was a few marbles short of a game of marbles a second ago. He was a few liters short of a full tank. He was a few, I could keep going on, but I won't because it'll probably get worse. 
This is why it's so important that our joy is in God. Because if we haven't lost God, we can rejoice in our sufferings. And what Paul wants us to see is how God uses our sufferings for our experience of hope and love in him. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given us. I'm really grateful for the sister who came up and shared about what God had promised her about her past. Okay? Because this is exactly what the scripture is talking about here. Somebody just saying, no, I have a past that is unenjoyable. And God's saying, wait a second. Number one, you're righteous how adult? By faith. So what you've done and what you're doing, it's covered by the blood through faith. And you can now rejoice in God because no matter what happens, he's yours. And this God knows how to do the impossible. If it were truly possible that suffering could never have joy or that a painful past could never produce a glorious future, then Jesus should still be in the dead, in the, in the grave, okay? We don't get to use the word impossible anymore. We don't. We don't, because what's impossible is for a Jewish carpenter who was dangling on a piece of wood till he suffocated to death and then shoved under rock for days to come out and be alive forever. That's what's impossible. That's what's impossible. But our faith is that that is exactly what happens. So from now on, the question is just, how are we going to walk in faith? Because God can absolutely take any painful past and turn it into a big part of our glorious worship in God. And so his promise is that if we will take painful past and just say, I can't see how you're going to do it, but I will take it, how adults? That you can do it. I give you my past. Your word says that it will produce endurance and character and hope and an experience of your love. That's your promise. And so, in the midst of my pain, thank you. That's my act of faith. Thank you for what you can do. Thank you for what you will do. And as we grow in the Lord, we become the kind of people who can get imprisoned for Christ and sing songs in the jailhouse. Amen? Paul and Silas, anybody remember that? How do you be in prison expecting to get tortured with swords again and sing songs to the Lord? You get it. This is going to work out for my good and God's glory. I, should, I can just sing now. Thank you, Lord. By faith, I'm taking it that you're doing something good here. Okay. Kids, you've been great. So what I'm trying to tell your parents, kids, is that this is about joy. And that by faith in Jesus and by the gift of righteousness and the peace we have with God, we can have joy. And I, don't want, I want them to remember. So kids... Now, I think they might forget, so let's do it extra loud this time. Kids, thank you very much. Don't forget that it's, it's about joy. How do we walk in a way to help maximize our joy in God? First of all, get obsessed with looking at Jesus especially in the scriptures, but get obsessed with looking at Jesus and try not to stare at yourself so much. Does anybody here ever go to a movie? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you for people. 
Now, I haven't been for a long time, but I do ha- kind of stare at my unsmartphone sometimes. And um, it seems to me that the point of a good movie is to help you be obsessed with what you're staring at so much so that you forget who you are. Right? If it's a good movie, you kind of wake up two and a half hours later, and you're like, what time is it? Who am I? Who are you weird children beside me? Because I was just on Endor, and there were these robots getting shot by little panda bears until it all exploded. You know what I mean? Like you got sucked into the movie and you were just obsessed with it so much so that you forget who you are, where you are, what's going on around you. That's how seeing is supposed to work. And this is how worship for Jesus is supposed to work. This is why we get together and sing. It's our way of just staring and kind of trying to forget who we are and everything that's going around. And we're just looking and we're absorbed in enjoyment. There's a key word, absorbed in enjoyment in Christ. And when you're at a really great movie, what you're not doing is going, I wonder how I look right now. I wonder if the person three three seats beside me is looking at me. I wonder if they think I'm attractive or if they can see that zit I have under my nose. You know, it's a failure of a movie if you're in the movie theater thinking about yourself. And that's why you don't want to eat the whole box of hot tamales all by yourself because your stomach will tell you you've made a mistake while this movie is still happening, right? And you don't drink the extra large pop all by yourself because another part of your body will tell you that you've made a mistake while the movie's still happening. And you want to forget who you are because you're enjoying something. We should be doing this with Jesus, looking at him so intently that we just forget we forget. We don't totally forget, but in the right way we forget. We just look and we think, you're awesome. You're wonderful. You're cross. You're good. You're here. You're alive. You're real. You're glorious. You're loving. You're amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And I was supposed to be at work 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Tell your boss, your pastor told you you were supposed to do that. This is kind of step number one, enjoying Jesus in worship, staring at him, learning about him, being in the scriptures, not just to take boxes, but to see Jesus. Number two, don't let anyone steal your joy. We're doing great, everybody. Don't let anybody steal your joy in the Lord. Um, part, of, part of my life is I enjoy watching... Uh, debates about faith sometimes or apologetics in action, just seeing people defend the faith. And I watched this one guy who was invited onto a secular college campus in the States to go talk about the scriptures and human bodies and gender and stuff like this. And before he even got a chance to speak, there was a riot. And the police had to come and drag people out. And after the people got dragged out, there was like a protest demonstration. So for like 20 minutes, people were chanting stuff at him. And so after about an hour or something, they managed to calm things down, and he did get to speak. And then after he spoke, he answered questions for like an hour and a half to two hours. And almost every single question was something along the lines of, "Um, how can you be such an idiot? You know, stuff like that. Why are you such a bigot? Uh, <laughs> why aren't you dead yet? Because you're a horrible person. That was, those, that was the line of questions. And the thing that stunned me about this, this pastor who was doing this was he was just smiling the whole time. Oh, look at those people. They, they hate my guts and they're getting arrested. Oh, okay. Oh, look at all these people chanting about how a horrible person should get shot. Okay, good. Oh, another question that just insinuates I'm, I'm a horrible person. Smiling the whole time. Smiling, smiling, smiling. And I was very intrigued. 
because I don't think a lot of people can go through that kind of stuff and just smile the whole time. And so somebody was asking him about it, and he just said this, oh, I don't let anybody steal my joy. It was just like a decision he'd made. No, 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 no. I, I just don't let anybody steal my joy. And so I was thinking about it from Scripture. And I noticed that when the Apostle Paul is talking about joy in Romans 5, he doesn't say, therefore, if you try hard enough, you can have joy. Therefore, if you are one of the best of the best Navy SEAL Christians, then you might experience joy. He says, no, because we're justified by faith and we have peace with God, we have joy. And so that's our right. That's normal. That's just things working. And so if we've lost it, it's because we've let somebody steal it. Does that make sense? If, if normal is me happy in the glory of God, me having some joy during suffering, and me being so joy-filled because God is mine, if that's what we have because of what God has done, if it's missing, who, 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 I let somebody steal it. There, there's some sense in that, right? I've let somebody steal it. So if your joy's missing, it's time to grab a baseball bat, grab a lead pipe, and go into the street and see who's booking it down the road with their joy in your hands and go after them and throw stuff. And this is a metaphor. <laughs> this is a metaphor. I will not take responsibility or pay your bail. Do you hear what I'm talking about here? Like, the reality is I have this joy. It is mine. Am I going to let a circumstance or a someone or a situation rob me of it? I'm going to leave it there. I could go on. Somebody told me one time that they were having um, discussions with somebody from a different religion and felt a little bit underprepared to discuss things. And I just want to leave us by saying, I am equipping you to interact with any religion here, with the fundamentals of Christianity. It is about faith and that everything is by faith. It is about dealing with sin and really effectively dealing with sin and the wrath of God against people. And it is about joy. It is about real joy in God, real joy from God, real joy in the midst of anything with God. These are the fundamentals, and these are the questions you ask. Okay, so you're living this life. How's your joy levels? Well, or, um, uh, so are you here because you really enjoy God? Well, uh, or, um, uh, how's your peace with God? Do you, do you get to enjoy the Father, like, or, um, or, uh, or, Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for the joy of God. And Father, my prayer is that each one of us would grow in not letting anything steal our joy. And Father, I know that sometimes it happens and life is very, very um, surprising, and sometimes we just get devastated. And I pray, Father, when we're devastated and we aren't experiencing your joy, that you would help us to wait by faith and to walk by faith and to look by faith for you to come and rescue us. But Lord, in the meantime, I pray that you'd help each one of us really just realize Jesus came so I could have joy in God and that we would savor that to our full capability. Amen.